SonicStates.com. So um, let's go. Uh, I'll, I'll say hello and welcome to everybody. This is Sonic Talk number 152 uh, after a short break where I was away in Euro Disney, which will actually forms one of the topics I wanted to talk about this week. And... <coughs> <laughs> and uh, welcome to everybody who's uh, come back to the chat room to join us. Uh, remember, you can catch us recording this stuff live at sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday, generally. Uh, welcome everybody in the in the chat room. And uh, obviously, you get to hear all the stuff before we edit any of the libelous nonsense out, although we're very careful these days. So um, let's say, well, I'll say hello, first of all, to non-Eric from musotalk.de. Hello, how, Nick. How are you? I'm fine. I just recovered from a serious burnout. Oh, no. <laughs> but you, never mind. Your voice sounds a little bit strained and tired, a bit like mine. I've just had a cold. Yeah, I just had one. I was in bed last week, actually. The whole week? Yeah. Oh, nice. Was it, ha- was it half term? <laughs> but what's a half term? Was it a school holiday last week as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So that didn't, I bet that didn't go down very well with the other half. The, yeah, 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 that's a problem. Yeah, well, you know, when you get ill, you get ill. What can you do? Yeah. You just get man flu like everybody else and, and milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I'm glad to hear you're better. And, of course, uh, hands can be seen and heard and watched on musotalk.de, the finest German-language music production video podcasting, netcasting site in the world. Oh, thank you so much. And we'll say hello also to my other guest who's on this side of uh, the uh, channel, and that's Mr. Dave Spears from GeForce Software. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm all right, actually, yeah, thanks. Been a busy boy? Yeah, 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 lots and lots of different things. We're kind of getting into the uh, the NAM sort of build-up, aren't we? It's sort of, it feels like a long way away, but it's not. I'm still pretending it is a long way away. Okay. <laughs> I've just seen Rich Hilton uh, appear, so we'll probably go and pick him up in a minute. Um, but um, uh, while we're waiting, I, what I'll do is I'll just... Uh, I got a, uh, a topic. Uh, we talked about the Stylophone beatbox, which was ably demonstrated uh, by uh, Mr. Brett Domino, a uh, trio, or well, in fact a duo at the time. And um, um, a guy called PP, um, who left comment on, on the podcast, said, uh, regarding the Stylophone beatbox, after seeing the Brett Domino vid, I immediately ordered one. As awesome as they make it in the vid... I was disappointed. It's nearly impossible oh. to use well. It feels like there's a slight lag when the sounds are triggered and the loop is sloppy and just plain unusable. I'll probably just sample mine and be done with it. Now, I wonder, does that mean that Brett Domino is a genius or um, that maybe he pre-recorded it and mimed? Because mm. that's quite an interesting call. Because, I mean, it's really tight what they do, isn't it? Very. And the loops are in sync between two machines, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know. User error. Mm, user error. Maybe, maybe could be, but um, still, it was only what was it, nineteen dollars, something like that. Yeah, twelve thirteen quid. Not very it? much. I mean, well worth having. Anyway, um, so that was it. Well, anyway, so last week uh, I'm at Euro Disney, right? And I was listening to this because I was on this ride. Actually, that's as much as I can... Ah, no, can't take any more of that. 
Um, after having been on the ride three or four times, because my uh, my daughter, you know, she's only six, she wasn't really up for the big, hairy, scary ones, so she kept wanting to go on Small World. But um, uh, what I was amazed at was, I mean, this ride's been around since 1966 or something, right? And you're going around on this boat, and it's this Small World thing, and there's various different nationalities, all these fantastic Euro Disney uh, uh, national stereotypes of uh, people in costumes. So obviously the English people all wear beefeater outfits, and uh, all the Swiss people dress like Heidi and have a goat and, you know, that kind of stuff. But as you go past, there are these kind of spot speakers where individual um, elements of the mix come out at you. So there's a little child singing or if it's in the, uh, you know, Tibetan section, there's a Tibetan bell or whatever. And I was thinking, God, there's got to be a hundred plus discrete tracks at least on this. And it got me thinking about, you know, the the... I mean, forget about the subject matter, but sure, the, the technical, the technical thing must be uh, must be a nightmare. It must be really, really hard to actually achieve that. I mean, particularly over recent years. What do you reckon they run it on a Pro Tools system or a multi track? I mean, a bunch of hardware multi tracks because this is going, you know, twelve hours a day in loop ro- rotation. There's no, it's seamless. What do you? How do you reckon they do it, Dave? You've you've been on the ride, surely? I uh, yeah, I have, and I tried to find out. Weirdly enough, um, years ago, now. I'm- Rick Wakeman introduced me to a guy called Greg Hockman, who um, I believe um, had played a part in a lot of the audio for Disneyland and, um, bizarrely enough, Vegas as well. Oh, okay. Um, but I didn't get a reply, unfortunately. Oh, so. shame. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on Wikipedia about it. Um, uh, let me just go and get Rich Hilton, because he may know. He's the yeah. sort of guy who might know a guy who knows a guy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Rich Hilton, of course, uh, is a Grammy-winning recording engineer, producer, instrumentalist, man of many talents. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. How about you guys? Yeah, we're good. Good. Hey, so we were just talking about um, It's a Small World, the Euro Disney ride, and it's been – I was looking it up on Wikipedia, and one of the things that really got me about it was the fact that there were so many discrete channels of audio going on. Uh, all in yeah. sync, all kind of stuff. And I, um, we were kind of wondering, I mean, I imagine they probably run it in a Pro Tools thing on loop or something now, because there must be a hundred channels going on there. And it changes as you go through the ride. So the whole thing's synchronized. And we wondered whether or not you might have any insight as to how they would do that. Because, I mean, this thing's been running since 1966 in uh, when it was first launched. And obviously it's had a couple of refurbs since then. Any... Uh, yeah, my suspicion is they weren't using Pro Tools back in. 19- I would imagine not. Tape. I mean, I guess some kind of tape loop thing. You would. You would imagine. Just a guess. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know because back then it may not have been simultaneous streams. It may have been one stream being delayed across the various speakers. Right. Yeah. It's possible. I got you. But it does. It is pretty cool that every time you turn the corner and you appear to enter another country's uh, mock-up that the, the music changes and the accents change and everything. Yeah, so so what do you think, Hans? Any ideas on how they would do it? These days or in the old days? I suppose either. I mean, because it must have had to have been done either way. I mean, Rich was saying that it could be a delayed speaker cluster kind of thing, but I guess now, I mean, it's... I mean, even a, I mean, a Pro Tools yeah. rig running, you know, that many outputs is still a fairly large outlay just for the sound, right? How many outputs do you think? I reckon there's probably at least 50 to 100. You know, at least 50. Could be done with the Pro Tools. Could, couldn't it? Yeah. I don't know how many channels they support output. They they have to have discrete outputs, right? Yeah. For each speaker. Yeah. Could be done. And probably, but 
maybe they are using something especially made and built for them and designed for them. Yeah, most likely. I suppose it would. Yeah. I mean, you could just build it into a PC with multiple outputs, but yeah, because I mean, the thing is, is these things are obviously this ride is available in in you know all the Disney's. So I'm guessing they probably, uh, <laughs> as your head says, it's magic, guys. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course it is. I guess it's they, they're using something they they, they built, got custom built for them. I suppose. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a thought. That's a thought. They've been doing that for since the '60s. I suppose they've probably got a guy or, you know, a team who just do this kind of stuff. Solve the problem. Yes. Oh, well, anyway, um, uh, just some background information on the ride. It's a small world. It was originally titled Children of the World. Uh, well, Walt Disney demonstrated to songwriters Robert B. Sherman and Richard M. Sherman, who I'm guessing are brothers, the ride's soundtrack featured numerous national anthems all playing at once, <laughs> which resulted in a mu- musical cacophony. Walt said, I need one song. Uh, in response, the brothers wrote It's a Small World. It's argued these days the song is the most performed and most widely translated song on Earth. Wow. That's a right. pretty major kind of... I'm wondering if Disney perhaps wrote this Wikipedia entry, because that sounds quite unlikely. But No, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. And furthermore, the Sherman brothers are famous. I've never heard of them. And, and not only because they worked on the theme song for a movie that I did, but before that, they were famous. Ah, Offer a Sherman as it were. Um, the well-known catchiness of the song is due not only to its constant repetition for the duration of the ride, which lasts about 15 minutes. This is Wikipedia's oh. worst words. I thought I'd just t- say this because I have been on it three or four times, uh, not including the time in the line. Um, but Robert, Robert B. Sherman explained that the structure of the song may also play a role and goes on to talk about the fact that the verse and the chorus work in counterpoint to one another. But I say... Bah humbug. Uh, it was fun, but uh, God, I could. It's, it's been going through my head for for weeks. We've been singing. In fact, Jane, my partner, uh, made some song, made some words up that the children could sing afterwards. I'll just play um, play along with you. See if I can dob them in. Okay, I'm coming in. We've had your money now, burger off. We've had your money, leave. <laughs> and so on and so forth. It does fit rather well. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was fun though. It was part of the Disney thing. I thought I could at least get one piece of Disney Disney um, topicery into the uh, into the into the show, and I, I feel I've uh, achieved my goal for this week. And I'll bet your daughter liked it. She did. She loved it. Absolutely All loved it. All four times. All four times. She said, can we go on it again? And it actually, to be fair, it was the one of the rides with the smallest queue. <laughs> and I figure oh. that's probably because the grown-ups uh, know what they're in for. Because <laughs> it does get a little bit kind of uh, instilled in you. But yes, anyway, great fun. Uh, had by all the weather was lovely. But we'll say no more about it, eh? So, um, okay. um, what can we do? Can we do the, uh, should we do the audio damage t- drum tattoo synth? Cause I, I couldn't find any audio examples or any, uh, pricing right. or anything about it, but, uh, right. or, a picture, a picture was about it. I did email the guy, uh, Chris from, uh, audio damage to find out whether or not, um, uh, he could give me any more information, but unfortunately, uh, I've not had any, uh, rep- um, any reply for him, unfortunately, but it was rather short notice. So perhaps we should just go straight on to the developer challenge from KVR. What do you think? That was interesting. It's KVR developer challenge time. Apparently um, they missed last year, but this year, uh, basically the principle of it is they get a big PayPal donation fund 
uh, people, uh, which is up, up uh, around a thousand bucks at the moment. I think we should probably put some in because I think I feel it's a good, a good, worthy cause. Uh, people have to donate. A plugin uh, has to be free. Has to be developed by. Uh, it can be a, a developer. It doesn't have to be non-commercial, but it has to be a free plugin. And um, the entries are in, and now there's voting. You can vote till the end of November over at kvrvst.com. Uh, you choose your five favourites, and uh, there's a whole bunch. And I just wondered if anyone saw any that they thought were particularly good um for me let me think what was the best one i saw uh it was the p's the pk huey a pk huey uh it's a little bit of software that allows you to use a Korg pad control uh which can be doubled as an integrated precise control surface for your door it sort of turns the pad control into he- talks it Huey. So I'm presuming you can use the XY pad and the pressure sensitivity and all that sort of stuff. So that looked quite interesting and sort of a bit out of the norm because a lot of them um, seem to be PC and VST, which I'm guessing means they're made with SynthEdit. I mean, Dave, you'd probably know more about that than me. I don't really know enough about it. Uh, yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Uh, there's that guy whose plugins we looked at here before, wasn't it? Um, XOXOXOS or whatever his name is. Uh-huh. Um, and he does an awful lot of quite interesting stuff using synthetic. So, um, but it's good to see there's a few other ones. Did you have a chance to look through any of these? I'm sorry, I really didn't know. Uh, uh, well, let me let me uh, tell you something else that looked good. Uh, MIDI LFO that looked good, uh, which is actually just a MIDI LFO which sends a selectable control change message with LFO modulated values to a selectable MIDI output. That's pretty useful. Don't, it's not um, something you don't actually find very often that you can create. I mean, I imagine, you know, to do that in Logic, you have to create some sort of awful environment uh, structure or do it in Max MSP or something like that. That looked good. That's very useful. Yeah, it looked good, didn't it? Rich Hilton, um, we've looked at these before. Do you, uh, you, I'm guessing probably you're not the kind of guy who installs an awful lot of uh, freeware plugins on your professional system, but maybe on some of your others, you might. I he's might. using a Mac, he won't get as many. Well, that's very true. Well, he's got these. You've got a PC as well, haven't you, Rich? I've got a uh, I've got Windows partitions on a couple of Macs, um, but I must admit that I did not get a chance to try any of these out. They, some of them look interesting to me. In fact, almost all of them look interesting to me on some level. A few of them are pretty basic, but um, I uh, I have no I can't offer an opinion because I haven't heard them. Ah, Hans, have you have you ever, you paid? I because mean, they've been doing this for a little while, haven't they? The the KVR change. It's a really good idea, I think. I think what what is most uh, noticeable about the whole thing is that there's actually people putting in money because from my experience uh usually when people are asked you know to to make a donation blah 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 this usually doesn't work so I'm really surprised that they managed to you know raise a thousand dollars I think that's very interesting. I'm not sure what the other that's, ones have been in the past, but it's been more than that. Cause around I, that, yeah. 1,500, I think. Right, because I looked uh, about two or three days ago, and there was, uh, let me think, where was it? It was uh, around about 700 bucks. So it's gone up a reasonable amount in three days. That's about 100 bucks a day. I'll, I think, it would be interesting to find out, you know, what the average donation is, or if there's somebody puts in 500 and others just $1. Mm. I mean... I suppose that is, isn't it? You know, when you think of it, it is an interesting idea because it does actually uh, mean that people are willing to put money in to some degree. I mean, I don't know how many views or whatever they've had. <laughs> um, let me see what else we've got. There's quite a lot of synths. Uh, amphetamine, six oscillator synth, Anna Wave, Antopia, 
uh, made for uh, ambient sounds and effects. Oh, I think I did. I yeah, I, I got a bit of that. Let's have a listen. This looks sounded quite interesting. Some of them have audio demos, some don't. Um, there are a few that are uh, Mac, but uh, as as you say, Hans, there are there are much less. I mean, I haven't really done an awful lot of um, plug-in evaluation on a PC. Um, would would you kind of try any of this stuff out? Anything stick out at you that you thought, oh yeah, I'll give that a go? Problem is, we're oversaturated. Oversaturated with with with, with you know all this stuff that's coming out by the minute. Uh, and it's basically that I'm more keen to see stuff where I at least think that the the, the, the audio quality and the, the filters and that stuff is, you know, I, I, maybe I just doubt that a freebie developer can put enough effort into the software uh-huh. to make it substantially better than the stuff that is around. I just, I know how much energy, energy Dave and you guys are putting into, you know, the, the filters of the Imposca and all that stuff. And I, I don't see how this can be done without, you know, really being able to fund the development. Well, that's a good point. But I mean, some of this stuff uh-huh. isn't actually making a noise. So maybe that's the key. Yeah, okay. Some of it's sort of functional. And that's the stuff that stuck out to me that was quite quite interesting but yeah a lot of it says uh that it does um uh, use synth edit which yeah, never- it does, some of them really suspiciously look like synth edit so does anyone know yeah. how synth edit works because i don't i'm presuming can you do you actually import dsp code for actual modeling or is it sample based how does it work i'm not totally clear Dave, i think they they now have a a, a, a sub level where, where you can actually do dsp on a low level, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So you can really go really deep into the programming. Like before, it was more like on a relatively basic level so that everything, got I played around with it and everything was more or less based on some basic components that, you, yes, you could change around and a little bit like, like Reactor was in the early days. Yeah. And now both Reactor and also since edit they you can do real DSP coding, so you could probably make it more much more individual like in the earliest version. Hmm. Is there anything like this um, for the Mac? I mean, I'm guessing not, because otherwise there'd be more Mac based plugins. Is there anything similar? In the- there is, there yeah, is. that's SynthMaker, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, and uh, are these things kind of open source, or do you pay for them? What's the general? I think the thing with synth edit is you have to give the guy uh, who made it, whose name escapes me at the minute. Oh, goodness me. Uh, but you have to credit him, I think. And you have to say that it was made by synth, uh, synth edit. Oh, what's his name? Come on, it's going to really annoy me now. Uh, I'm it's sure a quick Google. Google will probably help out there. Uh, let me just... I'm there in a minute. Maybe the yes. chat room will be able to tell us if there's, if there's not too much of a lag. Jeff on, McClintock. Jeff Thank McClintock. You very much. Yeah, very clever. Excellent. Well, that does, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I always find, you know, the ability to make something, a piece of software that allows you to make so many other things is, you know, that's mind boggling, isn't it? To be able to come up with stuff like that. What's great about the KVR challenge is that, um, you know, you can get some really left field stuff that, because there's no commercial pressure, as it were. Yeah. 
So you can get some really left field and really useful stuff because nine times out of 10, it's it's created by people who make music. So they're kind of going, actually, what I could do with is something like this. And that's what I find quite fascinating about it. I remember that when since that it wasn't out, it was a long time. It was a beta 0.8. I tried heavily to persuade Steinberg to distribute it. And yeah. pick it up. Because <laughs> presumably, <laughs> it is, isn't it the same sort of thing as Max MSP? I mean, it's a similar sort of vibe, isn't it? It's, you know, that kind of environment for building stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as uh, heavy duty techie, although that's probably changed with the, with the DSP abilities now. Right. Well, I don't know. Anyway, developer challenge, KVR developer challenge, you got till the end of November to vote. I think it's for your top five. Head over to KBR VST, great site and a really great um, little project that they do there. And, um, you know, donate. Let's see if we can, I mean, maybe we can encourage people to donate so that the prize money gets better so that next year people will be prepared to put a little bit more into it. That might make sense. I don't know if the if there's a first prize and the first prize gets all the money or whether the pot is split. There wasn't, I couldn't find any TNCs or anything on the site. So um, we'll check. Now, let's see whether we can live... Uh, Get it up. What is it set now at now? What's what? Ah, it's what set, is, um, last when I checked the show notes earlier, it was a thousand dollars and twenty three. So by the end now, of the show, let's see if we can get it to I don't know, say uh, twelve hundred bucks. Does that seem reasonable? <laughs> it seems sure. seems like uh, we'll I, try. It. I mean, we can only then see how. Uh, woefully in uh, uninfluencing we are <laughs> as an entity. I'll say this. If I were teaching at the college level, I would have all of my students doing this. Yeah, it makes sense. I think Sonic yeah. State should sponsor. We'll put some money in, definitely. Yeah, we'll do that. At the I'm end, after the end of the show. All right, Nick. I'm just putting in some money in as we speak. Oh, good for you, dude. <laughs> good for you. Anyway, so everybody should do the same. Yeah, We're going to yeah. do the same. We'll put it in. Um, and uh, hopefully it will encourage more people to do more stuff because there's a lot of good stuff there. Well, at this point, it's probably a good time to uh, bring your notice to our show sponsor, who are Yamaha.co.uk. Um, they've got a monthly podcast, which currently I think we're still in October. I'm not sure what time of the month it actually goes up, but you should check it out. Uh, it's the Yamaha Download Podcast, and it covers all aspects of music performance, creation and production, including interviews with key artists, product news, competitions, tutorials. Uh, they have something for all types of musicians, and it's not just a Yamaha We Are Great Fest. There's actually a lot of good editorial in there, and uh, it's a very nicely produced show. So please do check it out. Um, we've got a little sort of bouncing page here at Sonic State, which is sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha, which allows you to go straight to the download and download the show. You can, try, you can get it via uh, iTunes. You can just download MP3s, whatever. You can listen to it in a lot of different ways. Really recommend that you do it. Also, uh, they would like to let you know about their monthly eShot newsletter. It's called the Yamaha Roundup. And that also is just an email uh, newsletter. It comes about once a month and it uh, covers dates, tour dates, hints, tips, and artist news, and also important product information. And sometimes this product information is actually before you're going to see it in the press. We, we subscribe and we find that we get some things perhaps a little bit before the PR goes out. So it's a great thing to check out just before showtime. And as we're coming up to NAM, maybe a good time to subscribe. So uh, head over to ya- uh, sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha and you'll get links through to both of those uh, Yamaha resources. And uh, the reason we do that is so that they can track it more easily and it just makes it all, uh, all nice. And we just like to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsor of the show. It's great to have them back and we really do appreciate their support. Uh, and uh, with that, we shall head back to uh, the world of the Sonic Talk podcast because uh, the next one I've got to play is, uh, where is it? Ah, nine... 
That's a clip from the uh, Downward Spiral, which is uh, was recorded, edited, produced, and released by Nine Inch Nails fans uh, with no affiliation with Nine Inch Nails uh, for, at the Webster Hall recently. And basically, Nine Inch Nails say, on the recent Wave Goodbye tour, they were unable to professionally film the band's performance of the Downward Spiral at Webster Hall due to exorbitant fees requested by the Live Nation venue. Uh, but they also have an open camera policy, however, and this remained intact. And as soon as the show ended, fans took matters into their own hands, organising an online to track down everyone who had filmed HD footage of the show. And now only two months later, the group released a, podish, a polished, edited, downloadable DVD of the full downroads, down, downward spiral performance from Web, Webster's Hall. The entire thing has been recorded, edited, distributed entirely by fans. And it's the latest example of the amazing things fans will do when their creativity isn't limited by outdated, misguided restrictions. I thought, what a great idea. And I don't think they're charging for it, obviously, because that would be a bit rich, wouldn't it? But um, quite uh, quite an interesting concept, don't you think? Yes, yeah. I do. I mean, he I always do. seems to be able to do this. And, and it's very um, it, it's very exciting. And there's one thing, I, when I watched it, it was sort of, it looked quite, um, quite sort of vibey and exciting. I mean, I suppose the one thing that was missing, and I don't know whether or not they did get a chance to take a, a live feed, you know, an actual sort of uh, board mix, because one thing that you can hear when he starts singing is all the people in the crowd round the camera people singing the words to the song, which is a little bit um, distracting, I felt. But I suppose if you were there, it would make you kind of feel like it was uh, reliving the experience. That was the only thing I could say well, about against to him. to me, that... To me, that's the vibey, exciting part that's not coming off the stage. All right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the reasons it's vibey and exciting is because they're vibey and exciting. Um, so you know, it's, if you have a good subject, it's like when a good player sits down in your studio. All you got to do is not screw it up. Well, if the band is that good and you have enough people shooting video and you can collect it all and edit it all, it should be pretty cool. Yeah, if the shows. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I, th- I think it definitely had a vibe, didn't it? I mean, Hans, would you? Could you, I mean, must but how do you organize? How would you organize all of this? I suppose you'd have to have like a Dropbox and a sort of, you know, well, whatever. That's not too complicated. I suppose That's not. That's not the complicated part. I think I think it's a fantastic idea, and I remember after uh, going to the ACDC concert here in Dresden, I went to YouTube and looked at you know at the clips that people shot with their cameras uh, off their phones and other stuff. There were some that were pretty good. And although it wasn't professionally made, you know, I've been there and it wasn't just nice to, it was, maybe it was the non-polished, non-MTV uh, style editing, cutting. Right. That made it so, so real and brought back. I think it's, I think it's amazing. And I think it's just great how, uh, you know, this web 2.0 thing is taking off so much. And that it just proves it again, that if you're dealing with the internet, you, it's no use trying to restrict anything. You've just got to give and then take. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. That, I mean, they are a shining example of letting the fans kind of give them what they want and letting them kind of help. Um, Not like the Beatles. Who well, they, they don't... Just yeah. managed to release a digital version of their stuff <laughs> for people to buy. Well, there's more. a lot of complicated issues in those rights, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm well, sure. I, I actually have by Michael. No, it's only the copy. Ah, okay. Rich, sorry. 
Well, I could take us on an extraordinary tangent because I was in an exposition yesterday where I saw a seminar given by the people who did the Beatles rock band. All right. Interesting. We're, we're about to take a very solid left turn if I go there. Well, maybe I should ask what Dave, uh, what Dave thinks before we do that because I, okay. I, I had something else I wanted to add um, at the end of this topic. But uh, carry on, mm-hmm. Dave. Did- Honestly, I thought it was great. I thought the audio quality was really good as well. I mean, I do like that vibey aspect of it, but actually, I, I mean, dude, I've heard a lot worse out of camera phones. Well, I've heard a lot worse out of a live DVD as well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair point. <laughs> no, I like this open camera policy, and I uh, think that Mr. Resner uh, can, rarely does anything wrong, frankly. It does seem that way, doesn't it? I mean, there's, it, it kind of it seems... And when he does screw up, he's sort of perfectly happy to say, oh, dear, I made a mistake, you know? And it, it kind of makes for a more honest and open dialogue you know it kind of i think it must bring the fans in and make them more feel more affinity with with you know they're, they're, the the with the artists that they're choosing to support sure yeah, and you just feel part of the whole process you know you've paid your money for the gig i mean the fact that you can then get involved in contributing footage and stuff like that maybe have a say in the edit i mean that would be brilliant yeah yeah there's a very um rich before you mentioned what you were um what you were going to talk about there was also um this kind of brought up another issue of this sort of new models for fan-driven products. And there's this uh, website, which I just found out about yesterday, called kickstarter.com. And what you do is, you know, somebody puts up an idea and says, hey, look, if I can raise a certain amount of money, I will do this. So, for instance, you know, someone who's got a, a collection of Bakelite radios might make a sort of uh, a book, a photo book, whatever, or a, an online book, you know, if they can raise $10,000 to kind of put the work in to do it. And um, people pledge who are interested will pledge a specific amount. And when that money is raised, the person will start the project. So, you know, you pledge the project, you, when the product is made um, and, and you've contributed, you'll get the product for nothing, but also you might get something special like, you know, a signed photograph or in the case of music, perhaps you'll get a free gig or whatever, that sort of stuff. And this thing seems to be going kind of quite big guns at the moment. There's lots of projects on there. Check it out. It's kickstarter.com. And it could sort of herald quite an interesting new way of um, raising cash for projects. And, and you know, because you get the money first, you know you've already got the market to make it worthwhile. So you're kind of on a bit of a no-brainer. It's just, you know, if nobody gives you the money, then you don't do it. So there's nothing lost, nothing gained. So it's quite a, an interesting way of doing things, I don't Better than going to the bank. Better than going to the bank or the record company, perhaps, you know, oh. perhaps. Are there still record companies around? I believe so. One or two. Okay. <laughs> One or two. Uh- so, Rich, sorry, that was a bit of a uh, that was a sort of le- a right turn before your left turn. But uh, so you went to a, music, a conference yesterday. What was it? You were, where? Where were you? It was in uh, Dedham, Massachusetts, uh, outside of Boston, and it was sponsored by a uh, professional audio dealer called Parsons Audio. And it was various seminar topics in various rooms. One room was inhabited, maybe even two rooms were inhabited almost entirely by Digidesign. Uh-huh. Uh, were notable in their absence at AES recently, so it was kind of interesting to see what they were going to be showing, although I think we all know what they probably showed. And then the other room was various seminars and stuff, and then there was a display room where all the uh, their sponsors and their their the lines they carry distrib- uh, show their gear. So the pertinent, uh, the, the one that interested me the most was there was there's a company from the area called Harmonics that is responsible for the game Rock Band. Yeah, and furthermore is responsible. Now, mind you, this is a bunch of young people 
Like it's not, it's, it's interesting. It's not an entrenched corporate thing. It, it was a real startup kind of deal in it. It, they just kind of really stepped in it, as they say in business, and just managed to make a product that a lot of people seem to really like. And then they were brainstorming about, well, how can we make this thing more artist specific and such? And they, they, you know, each wrote a list up of the artists they thought would be uh, most appropriate to that. Yeah. And uh, all of them had the Beatles on the list, and they, <laughs> and it became a joke to them, like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're really going to get the Beatles. And the next thing you know. <clears throat> They've got the Beatles, and they're actually in communication with Giles Martin about uh, master tapes and the vaults at Abbey Road and all kinds of stuff. And uh, they described their uh, the business and the process quite effectively. And uh, the part that interested me the most is how do you take something like a mono source and extract a single instrument? <laughs> ah, I wonder how. Well, mm, any speculation? Were, did, they use, did they use uh, Melodyne by any chance? They did not. No. Prosonic? They did not use Prosonic. Wow. Do tell, do tell. Okay. They use the Cedar Restoration Tool, which will extract a small slice of audio and then interpolate what came before it and after it and fill in the space. Oh, so right. Okay. So they'll start out and they'll say, okay, let's remove all the drums. And so they'll go through painstakingly removing all the drums in Cedar and ending up with a sort of a hackneyed file. That's got these closed gaps that Cedar has created for you. And as it's supposed to do. And then they take that and flip the phase and play it against the original. Oh no. And, Take what's left, and it's the drums, what? or it's something wow, workably that... suitable to being represented. The drums, and then they do the same thing with the bass on that remaining file, and then they do the same thing with whichever guitar they're going to try to, you know, enter into the game and the vocal or whatever. And at the end, apparently, you have this file that sounds just totally ridiculous. But um, they say, much to our amazement. You put all these things you end up with together with what remains from the background track, and you've got something that sounds like the record. That's bonkers. Cause, uh, Dave, because you're a big fan of Isotope RX, aren't you? I mean, that resynthesizes and does some stuff. Would that would Could you be able to do that sort of thing? Sounds like very similar technology, actually. Hmm. But that, that Cedar Restoration bundle is kind of like six grand or something, isn't it? I mean, it's really expensive. Maybe, but when you're when, when you're working with yeah, when you're working when you got a when business got, like they got, and apparently Abbey Road uses it as well. Uh, yeah, there. So uh, it was kind of created a compatibility situation there. And as I said, they later uh, when they realized that they couldn't have fade endings, they needed to have real endings. So they were able to get them to go back through their vaults and find things that had actually been missing and stuff, and 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 go back to the original pre-mixed basic four track oh, and do and the endings and find bits and endings <laughs> wow. and boom tone and discussions and count ins and all kinds of stuff that they were able to use apparently when they put the studio two room tone behind their studio scenes it made a huge difference in the in the uh perceived um authenticity that's really gosh, that's amazing isn't it that must have been such fun for the kind of archivist uh, audio engineer to to be able to deal with all of that. You know, it must have been, a, I mean, that would have been a quite a good fun job. I mean, apart from the laborious nature of it, I don't know how many songs they did, 
Do they do a lot of songs or just a few? There's apparently a lot of them. Really? I don't know. I haven't played the game, but there's a lot. There's, you know, there's a, enough that you can sell it as its own package. Because this is one of, this is like heralding the kind of artist pack kind of concept a little bit, isn't it? It's a good. Well, yeah, there's that. And then they also discussed another initiative they've got called Rock Band Network, where they're going to make it possible for end users to rock bandize their own work and yeah. sell it and sell it through their distribution. I think network. we talked about this, uh, I don't know, several shows ago. I remember mentioning it at some point. We, there was yeah. a video, wasn't there? And it looked kind of quite interesting. I think PJ was here at that time. But it was really interesting. And apparently the end user has to go through a rather rigorous development process, not unlike the one that they do right there at Harmonix to begin with sure. in order to achieve this. Yeah, yeah. They have, to, they have to fit the template. Otherwise, it'd be a nightmare to debug, I suppose, wouldn't it? And kind of get in and make it work. But yeah. And they provide a piece of custom software to do this with. Right. Actually. They've got, yeah, they've got an SDK, haven't they? I remember seeing it all. It was all in the, um, the oh, it's called magma actually. Yeah. And why, why did they call it magma? Because that's what becomes rock. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. But these guys were really clever. I was so impressed and I was so glad I'd made it there to see this. That does sound very interesting. Yeah. It was really I wonder cool. if and then the other seminar, the other seminar that was cool was Bob Ludwig talking about the thousands of albums he did and, you know, telling stories about various artists along the way. It was great. I've never done the seminar thing. Every time I go to a trade show, I'm so busy filming product. I never get a chance to do any of that stuff. I must try and uh, hire some minions one day. So I've got some time to do this kind of thing. Cause I'd really like to still, what is a minion? A minion is somebody who does it for you, but you have to pay them. So that's where the, <laughs> that's where the plan falls, falls down. <laughs> okay. I have to generate a bit more revenue. Anyway, one of the ways we can generate revenue is by, saying ads on the podcast what do you just what do you think about that what a great link and i'd just like to say thank you very much to the second of our great sponsors of the the podcast and that is loopmasters.com who as you know are the number one website and sample cd distributor and they're dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide their stuff is great it comes in so many different formats you've got rex uh, loops, you've got Apple loops, you've got all kinds of things. You've also got multi-tracks, which are really cool as well because they're entire performances that you can chop up yourself. Some great things. Head over to loopmasters.com and if you want to check out some of their sample packs, we uh, they, they do give us some things to give away and uh, we've got a couple of things to give away this week. So if you want to send an email to freestuff at sonicstate.com you'll get instructions on how to download your little pack of samples and check out what it's like. And of course, if you really like what you see, uh, sign up for the newsletter and then they get a little bit of extra kind of interest from us and it all goes around and helps them uh, maintain sponsorship and it helps me hire minions at shows so i can go and see a couple of these kind of seminars once in a while which i never have so maybe i'll get one day i will but anyway check out free stuff at sonicstate.com and check out loop masters as well and while you're at it go over and see looptv.net because they also have a video podcast which is uh it's uh, it looks at the current dj and club industry from the producer's viewpoint and they take you behind the scenes of some of the best club dance and electronic music makers on the planet and they have interviews with various different producers and also they've got uh, information about how some of their products were put together a great another great resource looptv.net and once again we do thank loopmasters.com for their sponsorship it really helps us keep things going so uh thank you very much to them and remember free stuff at sonicstate.com you ready (laughs) 
Okay, I won't expose you to too much more of that, but that was uh, a uh, that was the HRP4C was a humanoid robot which has got a kind of rubberized face and sings, looks like a cute girl, and uh, it's all. But its voice was made by um, the sound of the Yamaha Vocaloid um, software, which sounds like it's come along a long way. But I, as I was watching this, it, this kind of realization came across me, which was the fact that the robot is sounding more human than it was. I mean, admittedly, it's not yet there yet. But through the use of things like auto-tune and what have you and Melodyne, we're starting to sound more like robots. And then when you were looking at the face <laughs> of this robot, it was, wasn't very expressionful. You know, it couldn't kind of move its mouth very much. And then it also struck me that we're becoming, we're looking more like robots as we kind of enhance ourselves with things like Botox. And the robot is looking more like us because we're looking more like robots. Isn't, and it just kind of creeped me out a little bit. Anyone else have a, a similar feelings, or was it just um, something that came to me in a bad dream? I was sort of strangely roused, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem with robots is they just lay there. Yeah, but this one can uh, sing. <laughs> could sing to you. Uh, that, it was exceptionally weird, although I have to say I loved uh, It was the governor's comment. In fact, I think I made my own comment. And he said, in the ensuing panic and attempts to shut Vocaloid down, Yamaha retaliated by firing nuclear missiles at their target sites of American Idol TV production studios. Simon Cowell returned fire and three billion Yamaha motif rack units were destroyed in the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> this has come to be known as Vocaloid's Got Talent Day. However, the <laughs> resistance was able to prevent this by sending Dave Spears and the Mini Monster back through time upsetting the flow of future events <laughs> excellent wow how does it feel to be part of um this kind of futuristic events there dave that's a that is a great great quote all i can say is i tried but failed i mean hans it's isn't it weird i mean we're 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 converging i think is the phrase that they use isn't it well i've seen this something like this uh, at the beginning of the 80s uh, when Kraftwerk had their robots on stage. That's true. Isn't that, not that much of a difference. <laughs> no, they were b about as expressive, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, frankly, that animatronics Lincoln at the front of Disney World isn't that much further behind this thing, and that was made about 60 years ago. Well, that yeah, again. <laughs> but I, I bet you this robot can lift, um, like, uh, I don't know, enormous amounts of weight and, st and stagger around carrying huge bags of shopping and move, move stuff. I mean, it's probably got a very powerful exoskeleton, but it's not going to do it much good in the world of creativity, perhaps. <laughs> Unless it's smashing up, um, I don't know, <laughs> motifs or whatever, whatever you know, the, in, uh, in the, uh, the story that you mentioned there, of course, Yamaha being a sponsor of the show. I don't want to uh, in any way endorse the smashing up of Yamaha gear. <laughs> Why? Why? Why did they do this? I mean, these are people with way too much time in their hands. I think it's just, again, it's, you know, it's a way to try and bring publicity to the world of uh, robotics, isn't it? And to kind of try and kind of make you f take notice and think, oh, you know, and, and you might think, oh, well, actually, you know, they are getting good at stuff. But I mean, it's standing there. I'll tell you who it reminded me of. It reminded me of uh, Tweaky from um, Buck Rogers oh, Buck in the Rogers. 21st century, but taller and with real hair. I think they're just trying to liven up the company Christmas party. <laughs> in a way, you could kind of see, you know, a lot of the Japanese are into this mad J-pop stuff, and you could kind of almost see this catching on, couldn't you? I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But it's just that, that whole thing about us becoming more, you know, becoming less human with our auto-tune and our cosmetics and our genericizing and homogeny 
and and robots striving to meet us in the middle. And so that actually means that robots will become much more realistic, much more quickly, because we're we're meeting them in the middle. We're actually becoming less difficult to emulate. Well, it's, if it serves as some sort of ironic harbinger to prevent that from happening, then I will support it wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, maybe they will be a po- an apocalypse. Or an apocalypse, as we could say. Pop pickers. It's when you run out of lollipop. <laughs> yeah, or something. Still, I thought it was fun, um, but yeah, not much to it. But uh, go visit and check it out. I mean, obviously, we, we will continue to occasionally bro- bring to uh, the attention of our listeners the advance of robot technology and Vocaloid uh, type stuff. And it does sound like Vocaloid's got a bit better because the last demo I had was truly appalling. Um, but this was, yeah, this was better. So, um, I'd like to finish with, uh, with, I call this one, Oh My, Are Geeks Really That Bad? Yeah, I won't expose you to too much of that either. I mean, because that truly is one of the finest guitar pop riffs in, you know, in Christendom to my, you know, that Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, I Love Rock and Roll, is hard to beat when it comes to uh, sort of rock and rap riffs. Um, But this is the Think Geek t-shirt and uh, they've got some great, um, it's called a working electric guitar t-shirt, but there's also... Uh, a working drum kit t-shirt and what it is uh, they've got some great copies says here at think geek we were just wishing for a fully playable guitar built into a t-shirt when along came the pixie of rock she wailed with the face melting guitar solo and poof there it was in our hands 29.99 and what it is is you get this kind of i guess it's an electromagnetic strip with some kind of sound chip in it a little uh plectrum and an amp and you can play it. You can play just simple bar chords. And there's the same thing with the drum kit, which has got speaker, which is also 29. And also uh, there was a Wi-Fi detector shirt as well, which I, I thought looked quite good. <laughs> Christmas presents? 140,000 views of this one. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I wonder how many they sell. Great. I, I mean, I quite like the idea of clothes you can play. I don't know why. Drum pads. That's what we need. Drum pads. Well, there is. did you not see the electric drum kit shirt? No. Ah, oh, that's also twenty nine ninety nine, but it does look like you've got basically a dustbin lid on your chest <laughs> with various patterns, and you sort of tap it, and it's got a speaker behind it, and it plays. And obviously, I'd imagine washing them would be a bit of a nightmare. Well, yeah. You, and, or an impossibility, would... even. <laughs> no, 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 it's quite possible. Is it? Maybe they're wiped down. It's not like we're talking high voltage here. No, I suppose we're not. But then if you wash it, it might never work again, which I suppose some may think is no too bad thing. Not a bad thing at all, but... Um, I oh, know. Anyone want one of those hands? I know you're you're a, you're a guitarist, hands. I know you secretly yeah. want one for Christmas, don't you? Yeah, but it needs to be more like a Stratocaster. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Do you think they, they they should sell a version with a higher quality chip that's actually a bit more got a bit more bass to it? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Dave, would but you? It goes to eleven. Yeah, of course. Dave, will you be getting a drum kit, t-shirt? Uh, maybe not for me, but um, at the minute I'm in this mode of sort of trying to buy the most irritating toy for my brother-in-law, you know, for his kids. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just to kind of annoy the crap out of my sister and him. Um, maybe they do an It's a Small World t-shirt. I was just about to sort of purchase something here, but I was I misread it. I, it says Hadron on the colliders, and I thought it said Hard-on on the colliders. <laughs> and I thought, That's, it's not a good t-shirt, is it, for a kind of six-year-old? No, no, perhaps not. 
But I think Geek's got loads of cool little bits and bobs there, and there's good, great, probably for little, uh, funny little t-shirts and what have you, as as ably demonstrated. But there was another demo, which was um, when they were just demonstrating the the actual drum t-shirt. They're both playing guitars, and the the, the sound is so much better for the, and it's the same song, so they do a much better cover of um, "I Love Rock and Roll." Definitely. Oh, I've got to check that out. Well, Nick, I have two bizarre tangents that would shoot from this. Oh, topic. please do help me out. The first, the first is in somewhere around 1974 or five. Dan Hartman, while playing Instant in the Replay. Edgar Winter Group, before that, while playing in the Edgar Winter Group, had created for himself a bass suit that was a bass guitar integrated into a sort of a what looked I don't know some kind of artificial some jumpsuit type thing he was going to wear. And played it on stage. I saw this occur. So there was an actual guitar that was part of the clothing. It was sewn into the <laughs> well, with strings. Itself. Yeah, no bony neck strings, electronics, the whole deal. <laughs> real, not virtual like this with a you know nickel with a ma- magnetic pick. But no, no, the real thing. So that was the first instance of uh, instrument clothing that I can recall seeing. And the other bizarre tangent is I worked in the studio where I Love Rock and Roll was recorded. Oh, we're and not worthy. on the follow-up album to it. Whoa. Ooh. Was that a difficult second album or third album? Because I can't remember any other Joan Jett tracks. <laughs> well, she's got a few. I mean, not uh, preceding that one was Bad Reputation, which is a pretty well-known song. Okay. And there's about i hate myself for loving you ah uh, yes i remember that um so and she had a few but uh the follow-up album was it difficult i don't know not for me it was a learning experience i was a i was a new assistant engineer in a major recording studio, wow so and was joan as cool as she looked joan is at her best very nice okay and at her worst not so, so nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> My best experience when I first came to California, I think we, we, we made the mistake of, uh, for this was the NAM show, we made the mistake of staying in um, Santa Monica because we thought it was quite close to Anaheim and it's not at all. But I do remember <laughs> driving because we had to hire, we, had a, we hired a big limo and we had to drive down the uh, freeway, uh, I-5 or whatever it is, and I Love Rock and Roll came on and we'd wound the windows down and turned it up. And that was just one of those moments you just think, oh, isn't California great? And that's, it's just for those kind of moments. I love that mm-hmm. track. In fact, I think I did a, I, we, we started when I was um, still making kind of pop records uh, for other, for ourselves. We did a rock and rap version of that, which had a sample of I love rock and roll as well as, uh, Oh God, we will rock you as the beat, both of those together with some really heavy beats. And it actually it was really, it, has, it sounded great, but it never got anywhere, unfortunately. And then somebody in the UK, I think, heard it and um, did a, a rather dreadful pop version of it, which I'm, I'm deeply ashamed of, but at least I didn't have anything to do with that. Honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll dig it out and play it sometime. It was, it's got such a great vibe because it's just a brilliant riff. Um, I was going to ask, actually, did I? Oh, yeah, speaking of classic riffs, that's, that's also in there. What's your favourite? Hands, I suspect yours might be an ACDC, because I know you're a big fan of them. I'm thinking we're talking classic rock guitar riffs. Back in black. Yeah. Dun, 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 I'll dig it out. I'll play us out with that if I can find it. Dave Spears, I'm, you're not really a rockist. I know, I know it won't be Stairway to Heaven, but there must be one or two uh-huh. rock moments that you can't, can't help but tap your foot to or perhaps uh, thrust your groin at. I don't know about either of those. Um, I don't know. 
oh god I, I was racking my brains when i saw this topic and just thought i don't i just don't know i remember somebody taught me how to play i was kind of i had a little moment with an electric guitar when i was a kid mm-hmm. and it was um uh, what was that smoke on smoke the water, on the water wasn't yeah. it? that was the obligatory thing you had that to was play. or a whole lot of rosie wasn't it yeah one of the two that was probably too complicated I think this you just tuned you just tuned it into the chord of E, and then you could slide your finger up and down, and it would kind of work. That's right, if I remember correctly. Um, no, sorry, that's it. None. Rich, yes. Rich Hilton. A <laughs> uh, few have come to mind. Uh, Hendrix, ah, either yeah, yeah, Fire yeah, yeah, yeah. or Spanish Castle Magic. Oh, okay. And then Black Dog has got to be right up there. Mm. Mm, I don't know that one. I'll have to dog? dig it out. Zeppelin, 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 Zeppelin. I'm sorry. Okay. Zeppelin, Black Dog. I thought that came along with the... I thought that was in the metadata. <laughs> I didn't really ever do the Zeppelin <laughs> thing. I must admit, I did, it passed me by. I know a lot of people were into them. I just... Uh, and, and subsequently, every time I've heard Led Zeppelin, and I just got a bit sick of hearing about squeezing lemons. It's just, you know... It was just... It was all a bit <laughs> sort of... The juice runs down my leg. That's right, you know. It's kind of like, come on. It's not very subtle, is it? Well... Lyrically... Robert can be subtle too. I'm sure I know he can. Well, there's Big Log as well. Hold on, I've got a phone call. I wonder if it's someone who knows I'm doing a podcast. Let's see. It's Robert Plant. Hello? That's- yeah, I'm just doing the live podcast. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> can I call you in a bit? Can I call you in a bit? All right, I'll, I'll speak to you in a bit. Bye. That was uh, Trevor, our news desk editor. I should have known better. No, well, he doesn't. He's not usually phoning at this time. It's usually morning, so that's, that's totally understandable. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, I think that probably brings us neatly to the sort of conclusion of our little show. And uh, it's nice to be back. Nice to be amongst friends, and nice to see that uh, the chat room people have been enjoying themselves too. So, <coughs> excuse me. Once again, I'd like to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, who are Yamaha.co.uk. If you want to check out the links that we mentioned earlier in the show, check out sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha, and you'll bounce over to the place you need to go, and also loopmasters.com. So thanks to my guests here. Uh, we'll say thank you first to uh, non-Eric from musotalk.de. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I know how busy you are, so it's great for you to, uh, to get you on once in a while. So thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. And um, you need to check out musotalk.de. Um, I'm sure you've got some great stuff coming up and great stuff that's been since the last time you've been on. I mean, what's the most exciting thing you got on, on, the, uh, on the show? Well, we had a, an interview with uh, a German uh, film, com- film music composer. Uh-huh. And he uh, uh, elaborated on how he was using 17 PCs simultaneously with Nuendo and Cubase to produce his scores. Jesus. That's a good one. Wow, yeah, I've got to check that out. That, just, that almost sounds like people would point and laugh, but I'm guessing he's probably done a very good, he must be doing something great for him. Oh, yeah, he's very successful. Excellent. Wow. What a, that wasn't because they kept crashing then. Yeah, it's just when one crashes, you just switch over to the next one. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, must have been reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> lovely uh well uh, no we'll check that out musictalk.de thank you very much and also um that last voice you heard there or last chuckle was rich hilton uh myspace.com forward slash hiltonius thanks for joining us too rich thank you always a pleasure i'm guessing that the hour how is the hour with you we our hour shift worked in concert so we're actually at the same time still or has it gone a bit weird yeah you know it never even occurred to me to check <laughs> <laughs> i could have missed 
thing. Well, yeah, you made it, and it's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's five past noon here now. Okay, so it should be five past five. Where it you certainly are. is. Well, thanks once again for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Look forward to seeing you again soon. And also, our final guest, uh, Dave Spears from GeForceSoftware.com. Thank you very much. Good to hear your voice. And um, next week, uh, we'll be back to the normal time. And Well, we're back to the normal time this week. The show will be on again next week, as opposed to not on last week when I was away. But thank you very much once again to all my guests. And for those of you in the live chat room, don't forget, if you've never been there before, 4 o'clock Wednesday, sonicstate.com forward slash live. And if you want to leave us any message or anything, Sonic Talk is our Skype handle. And uh, the numbers that you can call from your various country are in the show notes. That was Sonic Talk number 152. Thanks for listening.